Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and twice weekly readings and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. Right. And, and sometimes it will feel like we're treading water. You know, and to me, faith doesn't mean that everything's going to turn out all right. Um, and I, I think that's a really important distinction to have. It doesn't mean that things are going to turn out all right. It means that I am capable of handling the way things turn out. My faith is that on some level, I've grown strong enough inwardly to be able to, to be capable of handling situations that come my way that I ultimately don't have control over. Um, yeah. Because again, it's the outer stuff that we ultimately don't have control over. And so our mm. being able to have faith and be able to show up for our life requires some kind of in inside stability. You know, I heard, um, was reading this morning in, in a great book, and it talked about this concept of neutrality. Hmm. Uh, you, you know, focusing on almost a, n- a neutral outlook. It doesn't mean that we don't care. It means that we don't get swept away by things that don't go our way. We don't get swept away by things when they do go our way. We don't get overly, um, you know, locked into either perspective. Yeah. So we have almost this, um, it's this inner inner neutrality that we're able to kind of see things from a, from a, a, a perspective that allows some kind of inner stability. And I think that's a really powerful quality because I think um, in the world that we live in today, we're, you know, we want to, we want to know, we want to, uh, we, we kind of almost have control freak mentality that I'm not comfortable unless I, unless I know how things are going to look. And it's this, it's this thing that I find uh, people struggle with the most is not knowing uncertainty and, uh, and, and, and sometimes we're not going to know. And sometimes there will be uncertainty. And our work is to have this faith in our capacity to handle things, however they go. Well, I think that's at the core of, of everything is that, that need to control most of my fears, most of my anxiety, most of, you know, all the, all the kind of painful stuff in my own brain usually comes from, I, I'm not in control of the situation. Like, and, and the scrambling we kind of do to somehow make us feel in control, which ultimately stresses us out even more. So like, I, yeah, I think I was reading a book on, um, I think it's by Rami Shapiro, who's he's an awesome author. Um, who wrote like Holy Rascals, him. and yeah, yeah. Um, he has an amazing book on um, surrender, on recovery, and yeah, and surrender, yeah, and uh, and he said at the at the root of uh, you know if, if people don't struggle with you know alcoholism or addiction or anything that most of us do struggle with an addiction to control, 
which is really mm-hmm. what like i mean that's the human condition is i you know i think that's that's why we want so much money in our bank account that's why i want to drive this car that's why i want to have this job or i want to be in this relationship it's all a matter of like if i can get to this then maybe i'll have a semblance more of control in my life maybe then i'll feel set because ultimately it's not just like i feel peaceful and zen-like and like done and complete complete is the wrong word but really after is like in control (laughs) right and that's yeah yeah it's kind of like what you and i were talking about a little bit yesterday and you know we talk a lot about recovery on this podcast and you and i are both in recovery Mm -hmm. and i think you know sometimes there is a tendency for people in the recovery industry to control other people's recovery um, and, and, and that's one of the things that you and I were talking about. Um, and I think it's important to remember that our, our struggle in any kind of obsessive behavior is, is not really about the substance or the action that we're taking. It's more about the orientation of our mind. If I can just control the outer situation or circumstances, I'm going to feel more comfortable, including if I'm just controlling maybe the way other people, if they're, if they don't do it the way that I want them to do it, um, I'm not going to be okay, or it's not going to be okay, or I can't deal with it. And, um, I think, um, I think that's what you and I were talking about with uh, a lot of the the industry and but I don't think it's just about the recovery industry. I think it's about about the world um in, in general. It's this if it, if it just goes the way I think it should go, I'm going to be okay. And uh, and the greatest moments in life, I think really the greatest moments in life when we look back on them are the moments when control gets like the rug gets pulled out from under us and we realize that gripping onto that control was ultimately not helping us at all i remember when i (laughs) was learning when i was learning to do sermons i got thrown into like my first sermon um i i had never done like i'd maybe done like a 10 minute talk before and my first sermon was supposed to be you know you're supposed to do like 30 minutes and sort of the you know, Baptist tradition, it could be up to an hour. <laughs> but in, in this particular context, it was 30 minutes of talking. And I remember being so nervous and I had all these post-it notes and I had all these wacky ideas. It looked like a beautiful mind on my, like, <laughs> on my wall. And it was, you know, trying to connect this to this, to this, to this. And I had this beautiful sort of manifesto all lined up and I recorded it all on my iPad and I had just the perfect notes to get me from point A to point B and I got up in front of everyone and I put down my iPad and I turned my iPad on and I and it and I flipped it up to the the pages app which was the app that it was supposed to be on I had just asked people everything's going fine I was like okay what well, you know would everyone just sort of greet the person next to them and they could stand up and they all greet each other and as I looked down at my notes prepping to start my iPad just goes and completely shuts down like like, and i was like oh no i think i lost and i had lost like power like it was just dead like i had been so frantic that i hadn't even looked at like the the fact that i had like you know less than five percent on my battery and uh and i had no physical notes written out it was all on that ipad and um and i just i'd made a joke to the audience and said like well uh, the only thing I had to keep me on track has now turned off so just buckle up this could go anywhere and everyone kind of laughed and I did it. I, I went through the sermon and lo and behold, nobody died. I didn't die. And in fact, I like, I actually probably did it better than if I was like 
you know, glued to my notes or glued to this thing that I was just, you know, reading off of. And that really, from then on, I prepped everything in a different way. I prepped things to go, right. how do I not look at notes and how do I, so it, but it was that moment on the edge of the comfort zone where it was like, okay, now it's like, it's like a, a mama bird pushing a baby bird out of the nest going like, this is right. how you right. learn to fly. It's risky. And it, yeah, it's, it's not always I pretty. Mean, it, it, that, that story really reminds me of my first days of, of spiritual coaching. You know, I didn't, I, I was so afraid because I, I'm not a guy who's been to school for this and <clears throat> I don't have any letters behind my name. And I was working with a lot of, uh, in, in a company with a lot of therapists and people, doctorate level education. And, and so it was really frightening to me. And so people would, they would put me in a room with, um, these people that were struggling and in a lot of pain and, and, um, you know, based on some of the stuff that I'd done and I was like so afraid that I wasn't going to know enough, that I wasn't going to be able to kind of deal with it in a healthy way. And I didn't really realize that a lot of, a lot of my work for me at the time was just about listening, you know, and it was just letting go. If I'm, if I'm in a room and I'm really listening to somebody, to me, that's having faith, you know, I don't have to, it's letting go of that control, it's that kind of that surrender, and um, having faith that I'm, that I am enough, like, kind of like you, I, that you are enough without your notes, and sometimes we do need to have the rug pulled out from under us, I don't think there's any way of us really being capable of understanding faith, unless we've given, unless we're given on a moment when we, when faith is difficult to have. That's, that's completely it. And I love the idea because this goes back to what we've talked about. Again, in our six hour session, we covered a lot yesterday, but uh, that comes down to that idea of, of grace again, that we were kind of going back and forth on. And just the idea that, you know, you're giving space to a client to just listen and to, and to just be there. It, that's, that's the, the lack of control there is amazing. It's not saying I'm going to, I'm going to control this session and we're going to go from point A to point B and we're going to read this and then we're going to talk about this. And then we've got 15 minutes for this. It's saying, Hey, I'm going to leave space for grace to kind of enter the room and do its thing. Like let it, let it ruminate and grow and give space for that because ultimately like if you controlled that to a t how many people are going to come back and go i really love my time with richard how was it well he had everything planned out to the second (laughs) i know (laughs) yeah and and sometimes in my i was you know in a session earlier today and i was meeting with somebody and and you know it was just like this barrage of things going on that that was part of their daily struggle and I looked at him and I said, well, so wow, if somebody came to you with all that same stuff, what do you think you would tell them? What, what would you give them for solution? And he just looked at me and he goes, oh my God, I never thought about that. I said, you have it available to you. He said, well, I would tell them to listen to their intuition. And, and I said, so, and how would, and what instruction would you give them for listening to that intuition? And this is exactly what he needed to hear because he was able to give himself his own best direction. But a lot of times people aren't given, everybody's so busy controlling and trying to tell people what they should or shouldn't do that a lot of times, you know, a lot of times people intuitively know what they need to do. And a lot of times we find that 
we have our own answers inside. Uh, we just have to spend a few minutes and not live in that ego uh, sensibility that tells us how things should be or how we want them to be. And it, it really, and I, I looked at him and I said, you're not going to, there's not going to be some voice that comes out and kind of, it's, it's, it's going to be very subtle. And it's a lot of a lot of it is just going to be um, believing in yourself enough to know that you have the answers inside. And, you know, a lot of people will find that kind of woo wooey. But really, it's really what uh, if you really get into um, insight meditation, if you're if you're if you're gravi- gravitating to uh, um, uh, a meditation that that moves you into insight in any way we're developing a relationship with our thoughts so that we can begin to listen to the internal voice our our insight is going to be clouded by the thoughts going on in our head and so until we develop a healthy relationship with the thoughts going on in our head so that we're not always following them a lot of times those thoughts will take us into the future fear-based thinking the past some kind of judgment um but the minute we start to start to recognize those and we focus on, and in my meditations, I, I usually encourage people to focus on the breath, but you could also focus on your feet on the floor, anything that keeps you in the present moment um, so that we can begin to recognize those, th- those thoughts passing through. And, and so basically during the day, we can begin to recognize when it's when it's a thought that I'm having that might be disturbing, that might pull me away from what would what what I would be listening to from within. It's that subtle sense of uh, knowing the difference between right and wrong. Our, our, our but our work is that very often we don't we we don't really listen to that, and sometimes. But I believe that most people really know when they're doing something right as opposed to something wrong doesn't feel right um it's we make these intuitive choices but the key here is is letting go of the outcome letting go of the outcome because when it doesn't feel right or if it doesn't if you feel like you turned left when you should have turned right we have to be able to see that too because those difficult moments are opportunities to grow it's like you know having the rug pulled out from under you you can only develop faith when the rug's been pulled out from under you and you're forced to um, and it, it's like if we're doing the values work, the only way to really develop patience is by being mindful of um, impatience. And so we have to have these polar opposites uh, in many cases so that we can be motivated to see things differently. It's the, it's the, the relationship between the dark and the light. Well, and that just comes, that, that's like, that relates to just to how you learn as a human being my wife is a teacher and um in one of the one of the talks i gave once i was trying to pick her brain on on how you know how does the brain absorb information like what's the quickest way for a brain to absorb information and and you know she works with like kindergartners so it's like you know how does the <laughs> for a five-year-old that's that's having as many sort of tasks as possible in one day. So like the, the, the attention span of a five-year-old is, you know, 10 minutes. So we got to have like 30 things planned in the day so that, you know, they can keep going from point A to point B. But she's like, but if you want to know like adults, like talk to my friend uh, and her friend is this professor over at USC. And um, I talked to her for like an hour just about like the brain, how it works and stuff. And, and she, she, her big focus is in like student growth so like how students can learn faster be more effective students 
And what's fascinating is uh, the child brain learns fastest in moments of fun. So when there's play engaged, the child learns at, because like the, the, it's the part of the brain that activates joy and it's, it's you know, all the endorphins and dopamine is rushing to you. And so you're getting this big hit by learning things because you're, you're playing at the same time. For adult brains, once you cross the threshold of 25, it shifts. It shifts from play to, uh, to being and what she called being on the edge of your comfort zone. So not like you're fully shoved into like, you know, the, the pit of the fire. That's one thing. But just on the edge of the comfort zone, when you feel like you don't have it all together, when you don't have it all figured out, that's when your brain is going to start connecting the dots way, way faster than if you just were, you know, in your comfortable environment, doing the stuff that you're, you're you know, I'm already, I'm in full control. To learn something in, in a place of being in full control is going to be way slower than learning something in a place of of like slight tension like oh maybe this won't go so well and i think back at like the times i've learned like that sermon example it's always like when i've kind of been thrown into water that's just deep enough that i can't touch the ground anymore that like i've got to learn a new way to stay afloat in this situation and that's kind of when i begin to learn and i think from a faith perspective or from you know a spiritual perspective that's that's just the way life works. Like you you grow deeper as a person when you are sort of on the edge of what you know, you know, like when you're surrounding surrounding yourself with things that maybe, you know, you're not that comfortable with. That's where you become a deeper human being. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think and I think too. I think you know, ha- having faith and when we get into those on the edge when we're walking that tightrope between comfort and no comfort i think you know our work is not necessarily always to have faith but it's because sometimes that can feel very like theoretical mm-hmm. like it's it's an idea of faith mm-hmm. and there's a difference between having an idea of of what faith should look like and really taking faithful action you know and i, I think the faithful action is is really you know, what's important for us, you know, we get up and brush our teeth every day because, um, because we know that if we don't brush our teeth every day, it, that it's not going to go well. There's, there's like a consequence. And so we take that action every day, even though that's not something that we come out of the shoot knowing to do. It's something we learn. We take action. We eat the right foods, trusting that it will promote health. Um, and we show up for the next thing that might be kind of uncomfortable because we know ultimately um, it's going to serve us. And and so I think it's the same thing with this when we're over 25, where we are faced with situations that might, it could go this way or it could go that way. Um, but if we don't take the action and, and believe that the action that we're taking is moving toward it rather than away from it, and that's and that, again, that's that that's bringing a sense of self that understands that uh, I am capable of handling whatever whatever comes my way. And more often than not, yeah, more often than not, we find out we're more capable than we ever thought are. And again, the only thing that would really tell us that we're not capable would be believing our thinking. Right. 
Well, and that's what I was just about to say is like, we we're like, I'll trust fear or anxiety or whatever so easily. When you think of being stressed out, what that is, is it's just trust pointed in the opposite direction. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really trusting the stress. Like I believe it. Like when I get stressed, there is no part of me that's like, oh, my stress is messing with me. Like that's, that's a lie. I am fully like listening to it. I'm, I'm, soaking it in like a sponge but when it comes to like positive beautiful things it takes me like it takes me a minute to go like well i don't know like that's too good to be you know you don't like it's just you already have the muscle built in to trust something to the point of believing it you do it all the time with stress so just point it in the other direction we slip into into doubt you know and uh and the difference between doubt and faith is it's really important to be able to look at those things do I gravitate to, to doubt or do I gravitate to faith? And, and I think, you know, and basically what is going to serve me in my day? If I look at myself, if I look at my life um, more in the moment, in the day, if I do it one day at a time, is it, what's, what, what is going to serve me better by having faith or by living in doubt? I mean, yeah, what's it? I mean, th- and what's a more meaningful life at that point? What's a happier life at that it point? Really, it really does. Right. And, and that's our work. And that walking that tightrope is, it really is up to us. Nobody's, nobody can instill doubt or faith in us. That's, that's us. And that's, you know, tapping into, you know, more often than not, I would think that doubt probably is inspired by um, doubtful thinking. You know, and faith, I think, probably comes a little bit more from the heart. You know, for me, I, I always have to say, you know what? I don't know how it's going to go, but sure, I'm, no matter what's, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I used to have this uh, this crazy mentor, um, probably one of the most fun characters I've ever encountered in my life, and I encountered him in high school. For some reason, he ended up at my dad's church, but he was um, he was this guy named Avery and he was insane. He had like all of these crazy stories. Um, he was a professional tattoo artist and base jumper. Those were his two jobs. And uh, base jumping is like where you'll, it's not necessarily you jump out of planes, but he would do that too. But base jumping is more dangerous. It's like where you'll jump off of like, you know, tall buildings, bridges, um, oh, cliffs, Lord. you know, you used to have like the squirrel suit and he had all these, this is before like YouTube and stuff. So he would literally be selling these like, vhs tapes of one of the stories he had was he uh he went up to the top of the um the golden gate bridge which is totally illegal like you can't you can't do this at all uh went up to the top of the golden gate bridge and carried a waterproof camera please please don't please don't try this (laughs) please don't try this please don't try this i got this from the shifting moment um it carried this waterproof camera which at that point this is you know late 90s is like this huge thing lugs it up to the top and uh had to spend the night up there uh because early morning they were going to shoot this thing and he spends the night on the top of that little tiny if you look at like the golden gate bridge it's got that like basically the top oh arch part. so he spent the night up there and then uh and then like the next morning had a guy ready in a jet ski and the jet ski comes down and he starts filming jumps and uh, uh but he he jumps off this thing and crashes in the water um yeah obviously the parachute goes up and everything um crashes in the water hops on the jet ski and they scoot away and but it was just he lived a life like that like that was his that was his life and um i was oh my I god was, I, 
I get I get vertigo just thinking about it. I know. It. No, you watch the I I think his stuff is still out there. I'll have to yeah, I'll have to see if I can find it for you. But um he yeah, he just he had all these insane stories of like doing this, you know, in Siberia and doing this in these places that like no one else was doing it and filming it. And I was like, Where how did you how did you get into this? Like where where did you, did you wake up one morning and you were like, I wanna be a, a base jumper or I wanna be, you know, and um, let alone a tattoo artist or whatever. Uh, and he was like, you know, Josh, I, uh, I just found everyone will get up to a high ledge and look down and they trust their fear more than they trust their parachute. And he's like, for some weird reason, I trust my parachute more than I trust the fear of that fall. And that's why I can do what I do hundreds of times a year. And it, it doesn't phase me, but he's like, I was just I recognize very early on that I have that weird quirk built in wow. that I just I trust the parachute more than I trust the the fall. And I've always carried that with me as a in situations that I'm that I'm afraid of. Which direction am I pointing my my energy? Which direction am I going to give my myself over to or my heart over to? Is it is it the fear of that fall or is it the fact that there's a parachute and I'd, I'd like the parachute for me isn't like some woo woo god high in the sky right, thing right. the parachute is like the practical belief that i'm strong enough resilient enough and and worth it enough to get through this situation and that the fall is not as powerful as the parachute and that to me is just like it's it's been such a helpful thing in my life to carry through yeah. So it's like running towards it rather than running away from it in some, in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's like what we talked about um, with Parker Palmer, how like, you know, he says in the Midwest, the people who get over the winters are the ones that put on the coats and actually venture out into the storm. Like <laughs> you, you have to kind of face it for it to lose its power, you know, to lose its right. power over you. Um, that's what they talk it, about with fear and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, even, even mental illness sometimes, you know, it's like developing that healthy relationship with our chronic anxiety or the, the down moments and, and, you know, believing that we can get through, you know, with help, with help, you know, but with help, it doesn't mean we do it in isolation, you know, it just means that we have some inherent understanding that I'm that we're capable of getting through. And I think that's what that guy was probably talking about, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Without knowing it. Yeah. And I, I he I think that 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 is especially true, like with with everything like he wasn't he needed the, <laughs> to take this metaphor all the way. He needed the guy in the jet ski to come and pick them mm -hmm. up you know you don't mm -hmm. you don't do this stuff alone like and that's that's really key when you're when you're planning on facing these things like the way yeah. that we get through it is together you know reach out yeah it's like again so it's one of the basic principles is you know we don't have to do anything alone you know and our our work is going to go a lot easier when we are inviting and ha having a dialogue about it and uh and talking about it being open about what we're experiencing and in you know being honest about it you know i think i i've found in in my life as of late kind of learning you know it feels like i've got i'm walking around like a stranger in my own head a lot of the time <laughs> but i found the days that i'm most afraid fearful and like anxious and hurting and just kind of out of sorts if I really check in with myself, uh, the main problem is I'm, I'm like, I always kind of come to it and I'm like, I've been way, 
I, I've just been in my head too long today. Like I, I've just been by myself alone with my thoughts for far too long today. And that's what's making me so uncomfortable. <laughs> the minute I begin to talk to you or, you know, a trusted friend. Share or, them with somebody. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and again, it's difficult for a lot of us because a lot of us don't want to pick up the phone or tell somebody what's going on. We don't want to bring somebody in to our painful moment because it feels, it feels vulnerable. It feels naked. It feels, it, it feels raw and uncomfortable because we have this idea that well, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, but it's, but we, and so we deny the truth rather than allow somebody. It's funny. I was just talking to somebody earlier this morning and, and they were going through a really difficult time. And, um, and he said, wow, my, my, uh, step nephew or I don't know, some relative or something like that. Who's, um, who's like sober a while, I think even, you know, he called me up and asked me, what do you think I should do? How do you think I should handle this situation? And, and so my, my friend told him, gave him some direction and the guy texted him back and he said, Oh my God, your direction was so helpful to me. Thank you so much for giving me that. And, and the, the guy looked at me and he goes, that felt so good for me to know that I'm capable of, of guiding somebody through a difficult moment. Um, and it just, it, that the self-esteem and that's why, you know, if anybody out there and listening to our podcast is going through a difficult moment, pick up the phone and call somebody, text us, text me. We live a, leave a phone number at the beginning of our podcast and you can reach out to us. Um, I, I, I give my phone number out to any, everybody. Yep. Nobody ever calls. I mean, but for, I, for the listener who does not know Richard, this is not an empty offer. He's fucking insane. <laughs> he will pick I, up your phone call and, and, and you're, you'll be better for it. So yeah, that I number do, is I available. Do, it's okay because it's not necessarily about you. It's about me. <laughs> it makes me feel better that I'm, that I might be able to have something that's helpful. You know, um, because we all slip into that and we all want to feel like we're helpful and useful and that we might have some that our life experience might be valuable to somebody else. And um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't always know what I'm talking about. But again, it comes back to faith. I just do what my experience tells me to do. I've been on this. I've been on this planet for a while. So um, I guess I've gotten to this point. So I must be doing something. OK. You know, it, it, it really is. It's 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 a there's a mutual thing that goes on when we share something with someone. You you might be helping someone by sharing what you're going through with them. I know like in my life, like when someone comes to me and says, Hey, I'm really struggling with this, it's never a burden because it, it it's almost it's always like, Oh my god, I can't believe you'd trust me with this. Thank you. It's kinda like, like it, an honor. You've been yeah, given a gift it is. almost. And it, it's a it's a real like it's a real treasure, like to be able to go, like I've been entrusted. This person trusts mm-hmm. me to the point that, like, they're asking me. Maybe it's for advice. Maybe it's just like I just need to vent for thirty minutes. And a lot of times, when someone needs to vent for thirty minutes, they're not going to say, "Hey, I need to vent for thirty minutes." <laughs> it may just mm-hmm. be that you know they just need someone to unload to, and you know, like, what a gift because you can you know walk away, like you said, feeling useful. That quality of entrusting, I love that word. You're taking an action as though you trust. And to me, that's, that's a reflection of faith. Um, and, and again, sometimes it's that simple faith that they might be able to see things through a different perspective than me. And sometimes just that shift in perspective 
Maybe it was something that I was blocked off from seeing. Maybe I can't see things through that angle. And um, very often that's what it is. Oh, wow, I wasn't able to see it that way. Okay. You know, and again, that's what a lot of, a lot of times, even in the therapeutic circles, a lot of, a lot of solutions are just about reframing things, um, about, about seeing a difficult moment through, um, uh, seeing it as an opportunity rather than as a liability. That comes down to, you know, when we, when we let something out of ourselves and into the air, something changes in it. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, I mean, our perception shifts because now all of a sudden that you shed light on it like it's it's no longer in the darkness of your own head and your own mind all of a sudden there's a light on it and you can see it for what it really is like i i love that here it is richard the bible story of the day (laughs) uh i love here it comes the bible story (laughs) i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to like work in like a little theme song whatever that's ramping up that i it's uh it's at the very beginning of of the scripture, if you literally open up a Bible to page one, you know, it says in the creation narrative, um, it says that the spirit hovered over the waters. Uh, and so that's the first part of it. And then the first word out of God, who's sort of this, you know, this uh, in this story, a metaphor for like a creative, loving voice, the creative, loving voice in our lives speaks into it and says, let there be light. Those are the first words we hear out of like this this God's mouth, this creator, this loving creator's mouth. So we have the first words are let there be light. And the first, the very, like the context of the story that we're given, the only sort of set piece we're given is the fact that there's the spirit hovering over water. And that can be like a real whatever moment to people who are reading that, you know, but for like the ancient people who would have heard this story water was this frightening scary thing like water was unknown that we didn't have the technology to go under it and to see what was there we didn't know how deep it went all this stuff was like extremely frightening and to add to it in most mythology at that time that's where monsters lived and they really believed that so it's kind of <laughs> like, like the, you're looking the, at it. the unknown almost right it was it was the unknown and it was actually a metaphor for complete chaos because it's completely uncontrollable right like when you're out there you're at the mercy of the sea like this thing could swallow me whole i could get eaten by a monster literally all of that are real fears and and the spirit is hovering over chaos and its first loving words are let there be light so when god encounters chaos when great love encounters chaos the first words are let there be light which basically means like let's see this a different way right and then the creation narrative comes out of it and that's what god creates out of so if you're going to take that in a, in the most beautiful way it's love creates out of chaos and creates out of chaos by shedding light on the situation so when and we're that going, shedding yeah. light yeah that shedding light is simply about being open to what our experience is exactly exactly kind it's, of acknowledging that I'm in pain or I'm in fear or whatever. Mm, mm. Yeah. And it's, it's not letting the chaos remain chaos. It's, it's saying out of this craziness, I'm going to let love create something for me. And that to me is, it's always been a really hopeful thing because a lot of life can be inherently chaotic or can feel inherently chaotic. And just to know that when love meets that chaos, some beautiful, beautiful things can come out of that is such a helpful, you know, narrative in times that feel really stressful and 